Welcome to On the Table, a podcast about board games, card games, and tabletop war games. Now, welcome back to On the Table Gaming. I'm Chase, and I'm joined by Simon, my co-host. And this week, we have a really special guest in the form of Jim Ludwig from Dark Sword Ministers. Jim, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me on, guys. So I'm really excited to talk to you because I feel like already I've gotten the sense that you may be as big a fan, if not more, of this whole property and the things that are going on with miniatures than, than even I am. So I, I already can sense your enthusiasm from our pre, uh, preamble before. So Oh, for sure. Absolutely. I mean, this has been something that's been a long time uh, in the making and uh, huge fan of the game, huge fan of um, just a whole mess of games that that Cool Mini's been coming out with over the years and, and that Michael Schnall's developed. Big fan of like Rum and Bones and stuff like that. And, and some of the uh, the other like skirmish games that they developed as well, Wrath of Kings and Dark Age and, uh, and stuff like that. And so... Yeah, it's it's uh, when we put this together, it was it was meant to be right in terms of uh, Dark Sword working with Cool Mini. I've been buddies with uh, one of the founders of Cool Mini since uh, about 2003. So, wow. Yeah. Well, let's before we get into some of that, let's start off with Dark Sword miniatures. Now, uh, you make amazing miniatures that are often inspired or that your masterwork miniatures based on some of the artwork by people like Larry Elmore, Keith Parkinson, uh, Jeff Easley, and and others. You know, how did that begin? How did, what was the genesis of Dark Sword Miniatures? How did you find yourself in this position where you're, you've got this company doing this amazing work? Well, that that is, yeah, it's an interesting story. Uh, as a young lad uh, in the 80s, um, my, uh, my aunt got me a, um, a Dungeons and Dragons basic set for Christmas one year. And, and, um, it was like about 80, I don't know, one or two or something like that. And, um, I just was like mesmerized with the game. And then a few years in a buddy of mine got these miniatures for the game, right? You're like, what? And, and, and <laughs> you know, and I was a big star Wars, you know, in the seventies yeah. and stuff like that, you know, grew up on star Wars, the action figures, Legos and, you know, Lego space and all of that stuff. And so it's like, for whatever reason, the miniatures just really like spoke to me. And I just love like that 3d representation of like, okay, well, here's this character, here's this monster here, you know, whatever. And here they are next to each other. And so here's like the size differences and stuff like that. And the painting, the hobby, the, the whole thing. So it kind of became like a hobby within a hobby. And that's how it goes with a lot of people. Uh, even uh, people that play the Song of Ice and Fire Ministers game, some of them don't even play it. They just collect all of the models and they paint them up beautifully and they display them. And, and you know, it's the whole painting thing. Some of them play the game like crazy, but don't paint the models. <laughs> so it's all about <laughs> the game. And um, uh, so, so, yeah, so I, I really took to the miniatures side of it as well. And so it was kind of like two hobbies and one for me all through the eighties and nineties. It was so when I wasn't able to play D and D with like my Dungeons and Dragons group and stuff like that, I was still collecting and painting miniatures and whatnot uh, through that time. So it always kind of kept me grounded in the hobby. So that's kind of like, like me as young Jim that did that. Um, in the nineties, a lot of stuff happened with the advent of this game called magic, the gathering, it kind of put the rest of the industry on its knees, including Dungeons and Dragons, miniatures, everything, because these collectible card games just took off and was like printing money for a lot of these companies. And the downside of that is you had a lot of prominent companies, you know, either go bankrupt or be put on the knees or get acquired or something like that. And two of the big miniature companies that I collected as a kid, uh, Grenadier Miniatures and Ralph Partha Miniatures, both of those companies, uh, you know, Grenadier went out of business like in 96, 97 somewhere in there. And then Raw Partha was acquired um, by FASA, who then came out with this game called Mage Knight, you know, like around Y2K, late 90s, Y2K. Uh -huh. And they acquired the company to use the miniatures in that. But Raw Partha used to have this um, licensed advanced Dungeons & Dragons line that came out time basically with uh, Dungeons & Dragons 2nd Edition. And they also had some other lines, like one of the lines was based on this artist named Larry Elmore, who I was a huge fan of from, you know, the TSR <laughs> Dungeons & Dragons days. Yeah. And, um, and so that was specifically just based off of his artwork that was not Dungeons & Dragons, right? It's all very Dungeons & Dragons inspired and the themes and all that stuff. But it wasn't stuff that he did while I was at TSR, right? Mm -hmm. You know, because TSR owned all of that. Um, so when Partha got gobbled up, and I don't know if they officially went bankrupt or I think they just got gobbled up. Mm -hmm. uh, and then they kind of shut down when WizKids was really going crazy, um, you know, shut down the whole pewter 
you, you know, casting mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Um, this Larry Elmore line that I loved that was being sculpted up by like Tom Meyer and Dennis Mize and stuff like that, it went away. And there was this other miniatures company that was out at the time, this fledgling young company called Reaper Miniatures out of Texas. And I was like, and I had somehow developed like a friendship with Larry Elmore because I bought so many of his prints and stuff like that at <laughs> conventions and whatever. I was like, man, you need to go to Reaper Miniatures and, and freaking, you know, get them to make new miniatures based off of your artwork and stuff like that. Because, you know, they're, they're kind of an up and coming miniature company now that's getting really well established and, and Raw Parth is not doing it anymore they lost the license uh and stuff like that and he never really got around to doing it so i got frustrated to the point where i'm like you know i was working in corporate america doing my thing i'm like you know what larry tell you what i'll just start a miniatures company and i'll freaking make the miniatures i'll get the best sculptors that used to sculpt for partha and stuff like that and um and we'll i'll just do that is that something you'd be up for he's like sure yeah let's do it (laughs) and so so that's you know, kind of what got Dark Sword started. And then it snowballed from there where in my mind, it's like, well, well, why not do kind of the fab four, the four, you know, horsemen of the apocalypse, um, which are Larry Elmore, Keith Parkinson, Jeff Easley, and Clyde Caldwell, which were these big iconic artists that they brought in, uh, in, in the early eighties, early to mid eighties, yeah. uh, uh, at the behest of, of all the book publishers and distributors, uh, to give Dungeons and Dragons a more polished look, if you will. Right. And, um, and make it more like the big fantasy book covers and stuff that you saw from Frazetta mm-hmm. and, uh, Boris and stuff like that. Um, and the Hildebrandt brothers and, and whatnot, because the original Dungeons and Dragons books, you know, has got this great art that I love and adore. But apparently, like the the distributors felt it wasn't as professional as it could be. So Mm. they brought in these guys, you know, Larry Elmore, and and they did this more fantastical realism look where with scenery and stuff like that, you know, in the background with with landscapes and, and, and whatever, where you didn't get a ton of that back in the old Dungeons and Dragons art, you know, for first edition and original edition and stuff like that. So I long story long kind of felt like well well we could you know why stop with larry elmore we can do miniatures you know based off of jeff easley's art and and keith parkinson's art and and you know clyde caldwell's art and, and other stuff too and do our own original stuff um and so that's kind of where you know i started the company back in 2002 um in 2003 uh we were at our first gen con you know with two box sets of, of six miniatures each and unlimited edition miniature and, and the rest is kind of history george r, r. martin actually i didn't I had the books. I had a bunch of buddies of mine who were like, oh my God, you got to read these books. You know, Song of Ice and Fire. I had I had these books on my shelf, but I hadn't read them yet. So this guy named George R. R. Martin contacts me via email, like out of the blue, uh, thinking like, uh, like our miniatures are gaming scale miniatures, right? So they're, you know, what's called heroic 28 millimeter, yeah. what have you. He had contacted me. He thought they were all 54 because they were so detailed. He's like, oh, these 54s, because if they were, you know, I'd buy them all because I'm a big 54 collector. I'm like, I know they're all gaming scale. Thank you for the compliments. And um, I responded at the end of the email saying, hey, are you the George R. R. Martin? <laughs> and, um, uh, and I still got the email. Uh, I, I, I saved the email all these years later. And um, guy, I, I, I let me pull it up here because it was is basically he responded, yes, I am he or, or something like that or, or whatever. <laughs> uh, and I was like, oh, my God. And so I, I said, hey, you know, a bunch of my buddies have read your book series. I've got them here. I haven't read them yet. It's like, you should read them. They're really good. <laughs> um, and, okay, you do the, the George voice, too. You got yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, yeah. And so, yeah, basically, he sent me that back in 2005. Uh, and yeah, so he said some anyway. Yeah, so he had some funny response. Where, so then we got talking and then we started talking on the phone and stuff like that. And and, um, you know, that then led to Dark Sword acquiring the license after a company named Testers, a huge model and paint company. Oh, yeah. Had, had had it for a couple of years and they just, you know, didn't really do much with it. They, yeah, I don't know if they got a little too grandiose in their plans or, or if they just kind of had, they just couldn't focus on stuff. I don't know what the, what the deal was, but needless to say, not much came out and uh, it, it kind of, uh, they just didn't do much with it. So you know, George did not renew the license and, and he wanted Dark Sword to take the license, uh, you know, for miniatures and, you know, miniature skirmish games, war games, stuff like that. Right. And that's so, awesome. yeah, yeah. So that's kind of how, uh, you know, but yeah, George and I used to chit chat, you know, golly, every week or two. This is this is back in the early days, folks. So don't know. It, 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 there was no HBO, uh, uh, you know, Game of Thrones yet or any of that stuff. Uh, it was all 
all being worked on and, and developed and stuff like that, but the show wasn't green lit or anything like that. And so, um, yeah, we used to talk quite a bit, but now that he's super Hollywood famous and all of that stuff, uh, we don't talk nearly as much as we used to. Like he'll ping me every once in a while, uh, text me or call me out of the blue or whatever. And, and, uh, I'll have to drop everything of course, and, and take the call. Cause it's George. And, um, <laughs> Uh, but, uh, yeah, so we still catch up. He's still a huge miniatures fan and all of that stuff. And, and he just, he just loves minis. Uh, he's got a huge collection, uh, for any of the people that have seen interviews or pictures, uh, from his, his writing house, um, that he does all the writing and his offices are out of it, stuff like that. He's got like a massive collection of everything from gaming scale stuff up into like 90 millimeter stuff. So, um, it's pretty cool. So. So when so when you started working with George first of all, which minute? How did you make the decision about which miniatures to do first? Did George says I really want these miniatures, or were you like I oh, really really need to do these ones? How did you sort of figure out what the initial miniatures should be? Well, that's a great question. Um, when test a lot of it was basically just kind of going opposite of what testers did Hmm. Um, because they originally just went right into trying to make a skirmish game. Right. And so there was no name characters really. Yeah. Hmm. I, I, I believe they did a rattle shirt sculpt who had like a removable helmet that Gene Van Horn did. I got a copy of it. It was never released or whatever. I think George gave me a copy of it or whatever. Um, But they didn't really release any name. It was all just like night's watch and and free fall. Right. Um, And they even had like uh, Steve Saunders do like a giant uh, for the free folk and stuff like that. They had some mounted, uh, they had a couple mounted, you know, figures or whatever, but it was just this small scale skirmish game, like, you know, eight to 10 models aside type of thing. And one of the things that a lot of people are saying, is like, well, okay, that's all fine and dandy, but that, that can literally be anything. Right. It's like, right. what you know, and they were working on, they were working on like some 54 millimeter miniatures. Uh, they did a neat one that I think did get released of like John Snow and Ghost and stuff yeah. like that, but they never really were able to kind of get anything off the ground. And so one of the things I, as a fan, I'd started reading the books, obviously at this point. And um, uh, I think I was all caught up at that point. Like when we started diving into it uh, with the first three books that were out. And then I think Feast for Crows came out shortly thereafter. I was like, well, we got to do name characters and we got to do key name characters. Right. And so you'll notice within like the first 20 miniatures, there are some generic ones in there um, that are just kind of like, you know, flavor miniatures. But, you know, you had to hit the, you know, Jon Snow and the Hound and Jamie and Cersei. And uh, Tyrion, weirdly enough, didn't get done. He was 5027. So he was the 27th miniature that we did. And obviously he's huge. And the Daenerys is in there and and, uh, Rob and, you know, all the Starks and the Lannisters and all that or whatever. And so for us doing the name characters from a uh, collector's perspective for just, you know, the miniatures, this is outside of any war game or or skirmish game or what have you was a, a big thing that we just felt important. Uh, that it was very important to do, uh, to, you know, to get these to get these characters out there. And George was hugely involved. Like I mm. said, man, we holy moly! And and Tom Meyer sculpted most of the main, you know, uh, characters, or whatever. Then Jeff Grace sculpted some as well. But yeah, George was very involved with with everything and approving everything and and the little nitpicky details. Well, no, this needs to be this. This needs to be that, and, and what have you. And so and and he just was tickled pink with the uh, with, with what we did and kind of where we where we started the line and kind of took it so that's um, incredible you know it, you think to have to have that level of collaboration with somebody who is is up there with like authors like tolkien and people like that to actually understand from them what's required to actually produce these miniatures is is, is absolutely fascinating were there any characters that you had in your mind's eye that when speaking to george he was like no 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 it's like this and 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 actually changed the way that you actually imagine the characters there was a couple of them where tom went a certain direction hmm. like you know and so so that was the interesting thing. At this point, there was stuff out there, like with Fantasy Flight games for some of their card games. And then they did the board game, uh, you know, the, the Game of Thrones board game or whatever. Um, you know, kind of like the it's like a risk or whatever uh, area c- control type of thing. Mm-hmm. But in George would tell us like, well, no, I like this or I don't like this or they got this wrong or, or you know, this is good. But, you know, it's not a, it's not perfect. Um, but there were times where Tom just kind of came out like where George thought it should go right and Tom went left or, or something like that and and so we just have to start over on certain things and like jeff grace took the took a took a stab at sculpting some main characters outside of the Greyjoys and, and outside of some wild lanes uh or free folk 
and you, you know, where we had to tweak things or, Hey, that's, that's not man's the, the, that's, you know, that looks more somebody like this or, or, Hey, this needs to be changed or yeah. So there's a lot of little, just this minute attention to details that's up in George's head mm-hmm. that it's not anywhere in any art or anything like that. Uh-huh. But, but man, when he sits and looks at this stuff and, and so, so it's a lot of like talking about like what in his mind's eye, what influences were there from like movies and books, especially visual things from his youth and like in his early adulthood before he started writing these these books uh you know in the early 90s about like in his mind's eye what did the what does westeros look like right <laughs> and so it's not a dark grim future like you know 40k <laughs> or, or you know whatever right but you know giant proportions and, and superhuman people and stuff like that but he does i'm sure you guys will know this there's a lot of really tall really huge people in his books and so yeah. Um, I was like, man, there's so many people that are like, you know, six, two, six, four, six, six. And so some of the miniatures are quite large. Right. And then, you know, you go from that all the way down to Tyrion and stuff like that. And then, then everything in between. So fantastic. But a tall so, characters, not a lot of old characters, though. There's a few, but I feel like we're looking at some of the, the ages of certain people. And I was like, oh, man, Eddard Stark, he's, you know, like 34 or something. And it's like <laughs> a lot of these people dying off. And I was like, I'm getting up there a little bit. So it's just like, oh, geez. Well, that's super interesting. You bring that up, Chase, um, uh, because obviously with the HBO series, they had to push everything out right. uh, from a, from an age perspective. Right. And then you get Eddard, who's now Sean Bean, who looks like he's, you know, approaching <laughs> the 50s. Right. We're in the book. He's he's. Like in his he said it, 30s. not us, John Bean. If you're listening, it's a- <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, no, no, Sean Bean is amazing. I'm just teasing. And, and obviously, He's Peter Dinklage is amazing, and, and uh, everybody you know, you know that they had in the cast. That's kind of who you visualize now is is mm. a lot of the a lot of the characters and stuff like that. When you think about them, like Tyrion will never not be Peter Dinklage, right? Uh, in, in my mind, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, it's that's a really good point about like the age and stuff like that, because a lot of the a lot of the the Stark children are like super young. <laughs> Yeah, and even yeah, Daenerys, uh, you know, was super young in the books or whatever. And you're just like, ooh, yeah. You know, so even we kind of push some of the things out there a little bit, um, you know, from an age uh, uh, perspective. So. so moving on from the Dark Sword line. Obviously, you develop these miniatures, and there's a there's tremendous number of miniatures. If anyone goes to the Dark Sword website, there's a, a bevy of different characters, and also obviously you have your other fantasy lines as well. But how did you then transition from that into the Song of Ice and Fire tabletop miniatures game that we love today? Can you talk a little bit about how that process went down? Yeah, so that was always something that was on the table from day one. But learning from kind of the mistakes that uh, that testers made uh, with trying to bite off more than they can chew, I you know, and the fact that everything we do is in metal, right? It's, it's a lead-free pewter alloy, uh, which is very expensive. Um, you could do a skirmish game, right? And, and there's some of those that were out there. Uh, I mean, heck, even like War Machine and Warma Hordes and all that stuff um, were at one point before they cut over to plastic were done like in pewter or like resin or whatever, depending on the size of the model and the subject matter. Um, hell, even like weird miniatures, I know, was was pewter, you know, back before they cut over to plastic. So in my mind, I was like, you know, I, I always felt it needed to be plastic and Dark Sword obviously... We do metal. We do metal and resin, right? Uh, we could do plastic, right? Um, we, we could go to China and do all that stuff. But I, I always told jo- George that, um, you, you know, we'll know when the time is right. And and like when the right, you know, partner comes along or something like that, you know, for Dark Sword to work with. And, um, you know, in my mind, it was always like, well, Dark Sword would do all the sculpting. We would just work with the appropriate company that could kind of put this thing out worldwide um, that would do the things in plastic and stuff like that, right? Like we know we we would know the opportunity when it presented itself, right? And lo and behold, you know, this company that I'd been friends with, um, you know, forever that started out as like a, a website to, to kind of uh, vote on miniatures. Uh, like you post your miniatures up and people would rank them from one to 10, you know, on, on how well they're painted and stuff like that. They started diving into plastics with this game called Super Dungeon Explorer that now Soda Pop Miniatures, you know, that it's their company and their game or their IP or whatever. But as I was like, oh, interesting. And I talked with, with Dave Dallas a lot about that that you know back in the day and, and like how expensive it was and stuff like that in those first those first plastic board games that they did you had to assemble the miniatures like it was like a it was like a tester's model kit right so you'd have yeah. to take the halves and glue them together and glue on the head and do this or whatever some of the some of the miniatures were one piece the industries then started moving towards more of this pre-assembled kind of board game you know type thing and 
you know, cool mini obviously followed suit with that and then started doing this thing called Kickstarter. Um, you know, and their first Kickstarter they did was this game called Zombie Side, which is now kind of the per, like perennial main, like when you think of zombie board games or whatever, mm-hmm. you, you think of that, right? And it's got all sorts of genres and stuff now, whatever. But it started out as that one Kickstarter that I think did like $780,000, which really put the industry on notice that, you know, this was like, wow, oh my God, they can go do this thing and, and get the community to come in and, and, and back it stuff like that. Uh, it was that it was at that point, maybe like a year or two in into that, that we really started talking about like joining forces and, and doing something, uh, you know, with, with the song of ice and fire miniatures game, it was very, it was still kind of squishy about like whether we go skirmish or like, you know, like a tray based game, mm-hmm. you know, type of thing. If we do, uh, uh, the whole pre-assembled aspect of the game came in in like the 11th hour, it was originally supposed to be kind of like games workshop kits and stuff like that, oh, where you could kind of set them up and, and glue them together and kind of pose them how you wanted and whatnot. And so... So yeah, it was just a really interesting journey kind of from a company that I was comfortable with that was at that point and what they were doing that had an interest in in the, you know, the IP that, you know, Dark Sword has the license to and then just kind of joining forces with them uh, and making sure that they uh, did the subject matter and the book series, they did it appropriately. And it wasn't just like, okay, for whatever reason, Cersei's on the battlefield and she's running around with Varus. It's like, whoa, 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 that, that can't <laughs> happen, right? <laughs> so these are not people that are out there, you know, mixing it up right. and going Joan of Arc and stuff like that. And so um, they're, you know, doing the the, the courtly dealings, the, the back alley dealings and stuff like that. And so that's where the whole concept of, you know, these tactics cards and the tactic board and the tactics tactics board kind of came about as a way to get all these characters from the books that some of them are on the battlefield and, mm-hmm. and some of them are doing courtly stuff, but a lot of them are just doing only courtly stuff or a lot of them are only on the battlefield. Uh, and if they do the courtly stuff, they don't do it too well. Like at our start, right. Um, <laughs> didn't work out too well for oh, old that. Spoiler, spoiler. We got to Yeah. Uh, just kidding. Just yeah. kidding. Nobody. Yeah. If you haven't read book one, um, it doesn't end well uh, for the Stark family. But um, did you know uh, when they like, when they sat down and like, Hey, we have something playable and you started like pushing things around. Were you like, this is the thing, this is going to be big. Well, what happened was, is I flew out there for like a week to sit down with Michael back when he was more pleasant and um, uh, a, a younger Michael, uh, a more bright eyed and bushy tailed uh, Mr. Michael. No, he's Michael's a good dude. Um, uh, he's a good man. I don't want him to force choke me from Canada. And so um, I went out there and they had their ideas for what they wanted to see in it. And I had my ideas for what I wanted to see. In it. And so then they demoed a bunch of different games to me. One of them being super key to the DNA of, of the Song of Ice and Fire, you know, miniatures game was called Rum and Bones that Michael had worked on. It's this mm. awesome pirate game. They did, uh, they did a, they did two versions of it, like the normal Rum and Bones. And they did like a second tide where they kind of revamped the rules and stuff like that. But it had these things called tide decks, which is basically like a tactics card hand, right? You had these different cards or whatever. And then you had, you had characters that could do different things or whatever. And, and, and uh, um, that move around these, these pirate ships that are fighting and stuff like that. And so, and then you had like the normal troops that would just kind of, they have these predetermined paths that they kind of run up the ships or whatever and go fight and stuff like that. And that with, with some aspects of Wrath of Kings and some aspects of Dark Age, all of those things, we've got little parts of the DNA that, that came into, uh, you know, what would be Song of Ice and Fire. Cause you're like, no, this is cool. And we could use this for the characters because I wasn't worried about the whole battle aspect of it. We wanted it to be deadly and brutal and, and like, you know, not everybody's wearing plot armor. Right. Um, we wanted, you know, the game used to be even more brutal at one point, at one point we had a setup where you didn't even get armor saves. If they hit you, you're dead. Right. And so, um, but we had to bring armor saves into it because that's another kind of component that you can address units powers. Right. right? And so, uh, and of course somebody in full armor, right. Is, is going to be more well-protected than some peasant running around or, or some, you know, uh, freedmen running around with just rags on and and some sort of cudgel or, or a pitchfork or something. Right. And so, um, but we wanted the battles to be really brutal and bloody. and, And I wasn't worried about that aspect. The thing that I was most concerned about that we had to get right was just the whole, how do all these great characters that people love from the books and the show? Cause there's people that just do the show and mm-hmm. they don't really do the books. How do we make sure that they're represented and people can have fun with them and have them be part of their builds and, and their forces, right. And have them impact the game, right. From off the board. And so we just thought that was a really neat like idea 
about, you know, so it's not just a Warhammer fantasy battle clone or whatever random, you know, clone type of thing uh, where you just run at each other and just that's ah, a kill fest, you know, type of thing. And so not that some of these games don't devolve into kill fest, like, you know, fire and blood and stuff like that. Right. Uh, you know, for different game modes and whatnot, but we wanted there to be more to it and we wanted different game modes. We wanted different scenarios. So there's a whole lot to it where we wanted to just make this, you know, uh, like the best fantasy miniatures game that, you know, we could make it uh, type of thing with the IP. So, uh, so one of the things that comes across, uh, and that really speaks to me is that you're clearly like a fan as well of someone involved in the creation of things as well. Um, do you, do you play much a song of ice and fire? Oh yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, to the point where at, at one point, because I'm a huge board game guy, I love to try to paint miniatures when I can, right? Um, but it's kind of the shoemaker's uh, daughter type of thing where I'm, I'm working all day with Dark Sword and doing stuff with Dark Sword and art directing all of our miniatures and stuff like that. I'm working with the cool mini team, helping to, you know, approve and make sure that, that the things from concept art to sculpts and everything are good and true to the books and everything like that. Sometimes you just don't have it in you at the end of the day to then sit down and sling paint and paint miniatures and stuff like that. But, but I freaking love the game. We got a really great community here in Minnesota. Uh, we got some Northern Metro and the Twin Cities here. We got a bunch of people here, multiple stores that you know support and carry the game. Um, and then we've got uh, some stores and, and people down in the Southern part of the Metro area that uh, have done very well, like at Adepticon and, and Gen Con and stuff like that. We got like the first place finisher at Adepticon, Mark Group here. Um, we got Alex who took second place at Gen Con. He lost to um, uh, uh, who took first? Uh, oh my God, I Brett. Brett. Yeah, God, it just I was like, yeah, Brett. Brett beat him out uh, at Gen Con. I think it was him and Alex kind of uh, fighting for first place there, or whatever. And so, um, so, yeah, we got a lot of great players here, and it's a really cool community um, that you know is just it just keeps growing and growing and growing. And, and matter of fact, there's a league that was starting another league. Uh, that uh, uh, Raz, one of the guys whose name's Luke, um, mm-hmm. but his nickname on Facebook is Raz, um, that they get these leagues going where like this is a mini league. It's only six games. Uh, it's an escalation league. It goes from 40, 50, and 60 points. It's two weeks, um, and it's a different game mode every two weeks. So it's one game mode at 40 points, another at 15, another at 60, just like a tournament, right? Mm-hmm. Where you have, your, your, you have three matches, and each match is a different game mode type of thing. Right. It's the same sort of thing, but you don't have to keep your force. So it's, it's not like a lockdown thing where the, the, the same 40 point list has to carry through to the 50 and you can add 10 more points. You can have whole new builds each week. And it's a way for people to just be able to experiment with their faction and have fun yeah. and not be like shackled. It's like, oh, I, this is my 40 core, uh, but I didn't really have Daenerys Mother of Dragons in there. Right. So I can't really do that now when I get to 50, you know, because I got a bunch of sword masters or Dothraki veterans or, or what have you in my list and they don't have room to kind of pull those things out. And so, um, so yeah, we're, we got a really vibrant, fun community up here. We do tournaments like every two, three months. Um, uh, you know, obviously during COVID, a lot of that got, right you know, smashed down and, and, uh, we weren't able to kind of gather in person and stuff like that just due to, you know, state restrictions and whatnot. But, uh, uh, yeah. So I, uh, long story long. Yes. I love the game. I play the heck out of the game and, um, uh, much to Michael's chagrin, I, I do bother him, uh, in the middle of games. I'm like, well, let me call the game design. And, uh, <laughs> um, and, and cause I do have his, his personal number. And, uh, and so, so I'll bug him and, and, uh, sometimes he'll answer most of the times he won't and i'll have to text or whatever like what the question is or whatnot but uh um yeah so it's it's uh i have a blast with the game i think it's super fun i i also in the late the late 80s uh into early 90s i played a lot of warhammer first mm-hmm. and second edition you know the old rogue trader yeah. and second edition and um and so you know loved it. it was super fun we had a great group of people and and so but then i just kind of fell out of love with it you know in the late 90s um mm. i had some fifth edition stuff and i was just like eh not my dance anymore but this is just like so good right there's so much more to it there's so much depth to it and, and so much breath to it um going across like what you can do and it's just a lot more uh it, it just scratches a lot of itches for me right in terms of uh uh, a miniatures game. And you're always like in it, right? Like there's always, you're always thinking you're not like kind of waiting for like their person's 20 minute turn to end and then you get to go. So it's, yeah, yeah. We're all, yeah, I guess we're all fans here, aren't we? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean the whole, I go, you go thing. I mean, we could sit and talk about the differences, but I, I'm assuming anybody that listens to your podcast, <laughs> Mr. Chase on the case um, is, is, um, 
you know, they're familiar with the game. They like the game and, yeah. and stuff like that. And, and so they, we don't need to talk to about the, the differences and nuances of it or whatever, but, but yes, all of those differences and nuances for me as a, uh, as a gamer, uh, you know, active board gamer, RPG or stuff like that. And, and an old ministers war gamer was just like, wow. And you hear that from a lot of people that are getting into the game. Mm-hmm. Um, they are just like, Oh, I used to do fantasy or I did this or I did that or whatever. And they just, the, the whole fact that you can, you can play it right out of the box. You don't have to go home and spend a couple hours cleaning them up and gluing them together. Um, and then, you know, you can open it up, pull the card up, pull the tray up, put them on the tray and you can be going. Obviously they're not painted, but you, you can, you can play. Right. Yeah. And so, so it's a much more accessible game, which was one of the big goals of, of cool mini um, as well. They wanted to make it as accessible as possible to get people playing the game and and people that are really into the hobby side of it. They want to chop the miniatures up and repose them, do whatever. Super duper. Knock yourself out, right? But there's a lot of people that just really appreciate the fact that they can spend their time playing the game uh, because they're not as into the like the the painting and converting aspect of the hobby as some people, right? So they can do that, right? They can just open it up and they're good to go. And that was bringing new people as well. Uh, One of the problems, though, is a game like this is uh, because things are kind of priced in a a pretty reasonable way. You can end up having, you know, multiple armies or multiple factions if one hopes. Is there a a particular faction that catches your your heart or or, uh, that maybe you feel uh, is particularly amazing to you? Or do you kind of like to dabble with a bunch? I I have everything, obviously. Uh, um, I'm really fishing for an answer here, but yeah, yeah, no, 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 no. (laughs) Is it free folk? Is it uh, a. that's a pretty amazing fact, and I'm just saying. Yes. Well, and so and so it's it's a well, it's an interesting question because obviously with the 2021 update, yeah, it, it's a whole new world, and everybody's right. kind of relearning like what makes their factions tick, um, like what the units are like now in this kind of new rebalanced game. Right. Um, and so don't make the mistake of comparing it to one five or one six. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, this unit stinks or whatever. It's like, <laughs> wait a minute. It's it's you know, there's there's little adjustments across everything um, and little fine tuning that that's happened and play tested and stuff like that. But um, so back. And so to keep this in mind, yep. my my answer is 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 very one one sixty. Right. Um, so from my what I was playing the heck out of, and I did it in two leagues, which I did take first place in both leagues, by the way. There we um, go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and and there's some fantastic players, and so it was not uh, it, it was not something I expected or whatever. I, I, I need to see the chat log with Michael. Then you're like, hey, I got a question for you. Make sure yeah. you say this. <laughs> Can you yeah. change this like, rule for me, please? Yeah. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> wow. It's like man, everything Ludwig wants to have happen happens. Kind of kind of weird. No, no, no. And so, oh God, no, Michael. Uh, well, we all know Michael's favorite faction. So, if you want to just, you want to just go with the game designer, just, just go neutral. Over the past, you know, golly, uh, a year, year and a half, where the, and I did it on purpose, just to, you know, obviously, first and foremost, I was a Stark player. Right. Okay. And that's why that's why, like in the Kickstarter, there's like a little variant sworn sword yeah. captain sculpted me. Right. Mm. It's Rather handsome like, hey, looking gentleman there. Well, you know, it's got the receipt, but he gave me a cool scar and all sorts of stuff. And stuff. They think these are um, artistic license there as well, Jim. You know, they sort of uh, made it pretty good there, didn't they? Yeah. Well, <laughs> no, I made him I made him do like the thin hair up top and the receded hairline. But they gave me kind of like a cool Westeros mullet. Nice. And that was kind of blowing in the wind or whatever. But then they gave me like a cool scar or whatever. I'm like, that's cool because like, i, I have to like, say in in, yeah. in getting to talk to you here and, and uh we're doing some of our video chat here I, I was kind of looking for to see if there was that cool mullet going on but it doesn't seem to be a oh god no oh god no. Oh, all right yeah. but you've got the armor on which is a surprise but you know <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you're funny. Um, uh, but so free folk were what I I started playing hard just because everybody's like, oh, free folk suck, free folk suck, whatever. And you know, and talking with Mark Roop, uh, you know, and, and some players up here it was like, man, free folk are freaking amazing. Well, what are they? What are these people talking about? Hmm. And you know, but it's just some people don't like playing horde lists and, and having units die easily. Um, you know, so even if they're three point insignificant units, right. which is what raiders used to cost. It's like, look, of course they're going to go down hard compared to like a sworn brothers unit right. or like a, a warrior sons unit or a night's watch veterans unit. Like a third uh, the, cost of some of those. Yeah. Units. I mean, <laughs> my God. And so, um, but like with the cheap NCUs and, and like the activations, mm. uh, you know, the, the, the activation spam you could do and, and all the great NCUs that they had, um, you know, it was, it was pretty amazing. Cause even steer used to be a three point NCU. Right. Yeah. 
uh, Lady Val. I mean, she's amazing. And so anyways, so Free Folk, I love Free Folk. Um, uh, my first time playing Free Folk in 2021, I got pushed around pretty good by Mark uh, with the neutral force that he was running with some hedge knights and stuff in it. Um, but I really wasn't kind of playing them right. We kind of talked about it after the game about like, well, hey, you know, if, if you're running Cave Dweller Savages, you should really, you know, have the alpha in there, <laughs> and, uh, um, you know, to kind of, you know, amp them up and stuff like that. And so you have a good um, mentor there. Good God. Well, no, Mark. Yeah, Mark's <laughs> great. And so that's what's cool about like the community. And, and um, you know, as we get back to being around the table, instead of people being on TTS and stuff mm-hmm. like that, that's the really cool thing about it is that in-person interaction and just being able to sit and kind of like uh, talk about stuff after the game, like, hey, you know, th- this this unit did tons of work for you. And in this sense, you did tons of work, but you really weren't getting this unit to do much or, or whatever. And you kind of talk through things like where you think their lists are strong and where, where they're maybe deficient or, or ways like, is that is that the best attachment to have in that unit, you know, type of thing, um, you know, for this particular game mode. Um, and so, so yeah, that's the cool thing about it is, is you just, when, when you, when you're part of this community and you're playing in person and there's a lot of this going on on Facebook too, where people are asking for advice mm-hmm. and whatnot and, and the, uh, uh, the song of ice and fire, you know, ministers groups, um, you know, that are out on Facebook and whatnot. Um, you, you get, you get better and you, it helps you kind of evolve your game and kind of get things focused on like, okay, is the list still thematically what I want it to be? And then is it, is it, uh, is it got the right things in there that are in the right leader or, you know, commander, uh, and the right attachments and whatnot to really make the list click. And like, what are you trying to do with the list? Like, how, how are you going to win? Are you just right. going out to try to table somebody? Is this like an objective troll list? Is this like some sort of panic list? Um, you know, and that's all going to be based off of faction and, and kind of like what you're selecting and stuff like that. And so, so yeah, so free folk, you know, I need to dive into them more here in 2021. Uh, I know Mark, uh, because everybody's saying that free folk suck in 2021. He purposely brought them to a tournament we just had last week. And of course he took first place, won all three games and all three games were crushing victories. And so there you go. Free folk stink, <laughs> I guess. So, <laughs> don't, uh, don't, don't let the word get out I know, there. We, we don't want to tell the internet. Players, uh... yeah. <laughs> we don't, we don't want to tell the internet, but, um, but yeah, he was really, it's, it's, it's definitely a finesse faction mm-hmm. and, you, and you know, with the right builds and, and kind of making sure that, you, you know, you're doing the right things with the tactics deck and stuff like that. So it's not just a run up and punch people in the face faction. You can do that. Um, but, but they punch back. Yeah. That's a scary yes. part. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And free folk die easily. Like, like a lot of them die easily. They don't got the greatest armor, but, um, the other, the other faction that I really had a lot of fun playing, you know, during one five and one six was the night's watch. Mm-hmm. And I know that that faction had fallen out of favor pretty hard, uh, with competitive players and whatnot. A lot of people, they kind of got a bad rap, I think, when they first came out because Swarm Brothers were only six points and mm-hmm. they had critical blow and sundering and they were all around pretty pretty rock solid for six points. And, but even at seven points, I felt that they were still a really good unit. Um, but yeah, the Night's Watch were a lot of fun to play and had a lot of fun playing them. But now for 2021, I'm back to playing Starks and, uh, you know, seeing what I can do with Starks. And um, and in between, I played Targs. I mean, we play everything, yeah. right? You, you, Greyjoys, uh, Baratheons, you, you know, straight neutralists, you, you know, you name it. Because we do a lot of casual play events where people just kind of show up. You bring whatever army you want to play or armies you want to play and, and you get a game or two in, you know, over the afternoon. And then we do like league play, tournament play, all that stuff too. So, so um, what do you do? You must have some, maybe some advice or do you have like a storage solution here? Like is, you, is your house just like one giant warehouse of miniatures here? Like, uh, you know, having making your own miniatures and then having, uh, you know, these boxes of uh, Song of Ice and Fire miniatures, you know, what, what, how does that work? <laughs> well, Dark Sword's got its own warehouse, right? For, oh, for there like we go. The All business. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, not, so, I'm, I mean, obviously, yeah, I'm not, I mean, back I, when I started it, it was, it was run out of my garage, right? Oh, wow, um, really? Yeah, Dark Sword was, absolutely. But and so same thing with Cool Mini. Home. <laughs> Same thing with Cool Mini. They were started out of Dave's basement, you know oh, what wow. I mean, uh, in Georgia when he started doing the online store and stuff like that. And so everybody kind of does the Microsoft or Apple thing, you know, where they start out of the garage, right? Mm-hmm. And um, uh, or I should say, not everybody, but most 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 companies. And so, um, but uh, from a storage perspective, you're going to laugh, but I purposely 
like to keep everything in the boxes that they come in because mm-hmm. they got these oh. beautiful vacuum form trays that yeah. fit everything perfect. But that does limit some people who like to go crazy with the basing and stuff like yeah. that and do custom bases and whatnot. So a lot of people that are in our groups, if they go crazy with the custom basing and the painting and everything, they've got them all magnetized and, um, you know, to the trays. And then they have like these, they're like these stackable bins or whatever, these little, you yeah. know, clamp bins that they, they put the trays and you can fit like four or six trays on each level. And then that's how they transport their faction around. Right. Um, you can get the table war cases. You, you can do all sorts of different things, right. Um, that people use for like 40 K or privateer or, or what have you, you can get the foam cases that battle foam does. Um, if you want like specific cutouts and whatnot, but mm-hmm. I just, I've got so much of it keeping them <laughs> in keeping them in their actual original boxes lessens the footprint of them. Right. Makes and sense. then I know exactly, I just grab that unit yep. and, and the units in there. Right. And so, um, so that's kind of how I do it. And I've got separate, like, uh, like card deck boxes and stuff like that, that I, that I keep like all the tactics decks and, and, and stuff like that for each faction and all the attachment cards, commander cards, NCU cards. And then I've got special like extended deck boxes that hold the, um, the, the unit cards, you know, the, the tarot size, uh, unit yeah. cards. So, and those, I typically just have like in a toolbox or, you know, some sort of thing. And then I got like one of those little toolbox organizers that you can, it's almost like a tackle box. Yeah. You flip open the top and that's where all my tokens are and stuff like that. You know, for every, I keep like a set of Stark banners in there, um, which makes some people go crazy. Like if you're playing Lannisters and you got Stark banners, Stark <laughs> activation banners. And so uh, it's like, well, that's what I had in the old, uh, the old tackle box there. So. See, this is incredible. You've, you've really sort of outlined exactly why we love this game so much much it's seemingly very very simple but there's so much depth baked into it we're talking about different factions basically you know pulling from the books but also all the different rules and they feel so different but fundamentally they're all trays of miniatures and then if you then sort of compare that to how you got started with this it must be extremely rewarding to see how this has evolved into this absolutely amazing one of the top tier sort of tabletop miniatures games from you know that initial email from george it's quite the journey oh oh absolutely yeah it's 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 really weird yeah you know and you go into these stores and you see all that stuff and and uh because uh, pewter miniatures are becoming more and more niche if you will where a lot of stores just kind of carry plastic and um there's a couple stores here in minnesota that still carry some dark sword stuff or whatever the, the pewter miniatures but you know all those stores then you know carry the full song line and stuff like that and mm-hmm. and so it's always fun to kind of go into stores and see all that stuff and, and heck even george george sells this stuff in his um He's got a bookshop next to uh, his movie theater down in, in Santa Fe, and they, they sell all this stuff there as well. And so hint, hint, if you're looking for certain like uh, between print run boxes or units or whatever, uh, his store, I think, is, you know, they've even got some of the Kickstarter exclusive stuff there. Yep. Um, yeah. So Uh-oh, road trip. Here we go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I got, I got a signed rule book from there. So what? Um, nice. Yeah, oh exactly. So that's a really good nice. deal. Yeah. So, yeah. So Michael and I, um, I, and I know Chase knows this and Simon knows this, but um uh, a couple, uh, two, three years ago, uh, Dave and I, Dave Doust, uh, one of the executives there at, at Cool Mini, who was the founder that that you know I've known since 2003. We went down to uh, Santa Fe. Oh God, it must have been four years ago now. COVID kind of thrown everything off. <laughs> um, we went down there to visit George and Raya. Uh, who was one of his uh, assistants and uh, she's got a, a really strong art background. And so she, she's heavily involved in like all the approvals and, and the art direction and stuff like that, that cool mini takes. And, and when they tee things up and, and we kind of kick things around and whatnot, and then we'll, we'll bring George in if there's something that we're all kind of like, Hmm, what does George think? Right. You know, type of thing. <laughs> but he's got books to finish and, and more HBO shows to write and all that stuff. And so we try not to, you know, bug him, uh, unless we have to pull him in on something. But, um, we, uh, Dave and I went down to New Mexico and, um, uh, to show them a bunch of these miniatures and, and stuff like that, you know, very early on. And I uh, just kind of play around with the stuff. And, and that's where we did the famous, uh, I brought a Michael Bolton greatest hits CD that George signed <laughs> and, um, he, he signed it, you know, to Michael and, uh, you know, personalized or whatever. And then I got a picture of George holding it and, you know, kind of trolling Michael because Michael's favorite faction is the Bolton. Boltons and his name is Michael. So it's like, well, Michael of House Bolton or just Michael Bolton for short. And uh, and of course, Michael's not a huge fan of Michael Bolton, uh, just like the Office Space movie. Um, <laughs> And so, uh, so of course, we, we like to troll him about that sort of stuff or whatever. But so no, Michael and I were supposed to go last year 
Uh, but then everything got locked down for COVID. And so um, we were supposed to go to New Mexico and I wanted to get some pictures of Michael and George, maybe with another CD or a cardboard cutout of Michael Bolton. Yes. Um, you know, do, How do, do we some make this fun happen? Stuff. We will help. I know, I know. <laughs> well, but now he's like retreated to Canada and, and you can't, mm. you know, he's, he's hunkered down up there trying to take over Canada uh, as Michael does. And, and so, <laughs> um, and so I don't know when we'll get down there, you know, maybe next year when things kind of lighten up a little more, mm-hmm. we'll get down there to see George. And, and show him some of the new toys and stuff like that and and uh, get some pictures of him and Michael because Michael did not make the trip for whatever reason. Um, you know, the first time around, it was just me and Dave. But now it's like, yeah, we need to get Michael down there to yeah. kind of hang out. So, and when but, he flies in, he can be greeted at the airport by uh, Michael Bolton cut out. You <laughs> saw. So, um, but yeah, so I know George is doing his little wicked maniacal. <laughs> George laughing, <laughs> and uh, you know it's uh, you know explain the situation to him, and he had fun. George's got a really great sense of humor, a super funny guy, and uh, the the man, you know, he can eat and drink. I can tell you that. And so like when we go out, so he, he parties like a hobbit. So, <laughs> but uh, yeah, and so he. Uh, you know, George is a super good guy, uh, just real down to earth. I mean, you know, he'll sit and take you through his miniature collection and explain everything. And, and he, he, he gets all excited, just like we do talking about the game. He gets excited about miniatures and, and boy, he'll, he'll give you the full history lesson on the stuff. And, and it's fascinating. So, cause it goes way back. So. Yeah. Well, fantastic. And, you know, I really appreciate you coming on here and talking uh, a little bit behind the scenes and and about the legacy here behind the Song of Ice and Fire and Dark Sword Miniatures rolling it. So it's really great to get a chance to connect with you. Yeah. Well, so I, well, before we go though, come on. I have to ask you guys some questions. Oh, so, here we go. So Chase on the case, what <laughs> what, what what faction uh, or factions are you really digging here in in you know, pre pre 2021. So like one six and then, you know, 2021, where, where, where's your head at? Yeah. So I have a, a, my, my collection has expanded somewhat, but I'm often known for really getting into free folk. I think that's my heart is always there, both thematically, literally underdogish there. And, uh, now with 2021, it's been fantastic trying to like adapt to the new way they play and the attachments. And I'm thinking a lot more like trying to move around my attachments. And and uh, I actually, someone actually sent me the list that Mark Rupp ran at your tournament. And I was actually looking through those. There's a lot of cool stuff he's doing as well. So it's, I was like, kind of like 2021 was a chance to like fall in love all over again. It was like yes. just enough where it's like, I've been playing, you know, since the game came out, as soon as Free Folk came out, I grabbed them and I played a lot of games with them. And now it's like, hey, you know what? Like I get to like re-explore here. Yeah. I have also been experimenting with Targaryens. Over COVID, I uh, got my whole starter set and like everything painted up how I want it to be. And now I'm like keeping it in line with the releases. So I've been dabbling a little bit of that just to have a little bit more like, uh, speed on the table and, you know, having the cavalry maneuvers where Oh possible. my God. They're just so, and they were so alpha strikey in one six. They were yes. veterans, were, you know, Oh, veterans are 10 points. It's like, have you played? I mean, <laughs> it, it's just like the bastards girls on steroids. Right. And yes. so, um, uh, yeah, I mean, the targs are super fun. They're probably like, you know, they're up there in top four, top three, top four factions for me as well. Uh, and the way um, the new, the new tactics card, the additional tactics card, it's like such a small thing, but yes. it actually makes a huge deal. Yes. Um, yep. But well, and that's what's so great about Fabio and Mike, right? And and um, all of these little enhancements that are done in this continuous fine tuning of the game mm-hmm. to make sure that everything is like playable and there's no like stinker units right. uh, or or too many like you know overpowered units because we don't do limitations like right. Games Workshop does, where it's like you can only have one of this or whatever. The only time that comes into play would be like unique units like the dragons, right? Or like Edard's Honor Guard or the Bone Lord's Chosen stuff like that, you know, because it's got to have you know the character in there or, or it's a named character or something like that right um like you can't have multiple jamies on your army you can have multiple jamies on the table right but you can only have one in your army you know type of thing you can't have a bunch of clones running around there so <laughs> Spoiler, um, maybe a future future book plot twist or something yeah, like yeah, all, yeah. they're all clones <laughs> yes yes and so um so you're digging so you're digging free folk there yes. in 2021 and and you're also are you still dabbling around with with targs yes i am okay yeah so that's you know that's been I, I mean, really what it's been is I've been kind of hard at work trying to get as much free folk in as possible. And then, and then just kind of breaking up and being like, let's, let's try like zipping around here with uh, some horses and, uh, or oh, having like yeah, the immovable walls of spearmen. Yeah. The pikemen and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, or pikemen. Yes. Yeah. 
Yes. Who, who are technically spearmen? Yes. So, <laughs> but uh, well, that's cool. Okay. So switching gears here to Ryman Simon. Mm. Um, what uh, I, I know you were a Night's Watch guy through and through there back in, you know, one, five, one, six. Is that, is that still the case here with 2021? You know, um, so just so everyone knows, I kind of stepped back from A Song of Ice and Fire. Obviously I've been very involved with the community for a number of years. And, um, you know, I just thought, hey, with COVID, I wasn't playing as much. I kind of just, just took a step back. And and look, maybe some other games. And I, I didn't want it to become something that I was having to do. It's something that I enjoy. Now, you're right, Jim. Night's Watch <laughs> was definitely my my thing for a while. And um, I came to a realization with Night's Watch. Um, I play in a group in Austin, and these folks are super patient, really nice people. They're all friends. And we used to meet every Tuesday to play. And um, I got very attached to a certain list for the Night's Watch, which involved the Bastards Girls. And um, it was probably slightly oppressive in terms of how you play it, because obviously you've got a lot of uh, nuances. And once you know the deck quite well, you can pretty much obliterate someone's unit and then get a foothold and then accelerate from there. So um, I I was playing sort of like Alpha Strike. The realization was there's that I wasn't really attached to the Night's Watch. I just like power. So uh, with that in mind, I kind of moved over to... That's uh, the English guy. He just like power. <laughs> exactly, just like power. So from, from that point of view, I then thought to myself, well, I'm actually a Lannister, I think, really, fundamentally, oh. when it comes down to it. So um, I... Holy cow. Another I did reason, not know that. I did yeah. not know that. Uh, another reason that I like Lannisters is, um, have you tried painting Night's Watch? <laughs> it's, it, it's, <laughs> yeah. They're great, they're great Spray and black, I thought, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, but it's kind of hard to be. I know uh, that said, some people do an absolutely fantastic job. Yes. You see, yes. you see Night's Watch um, uh, sort of veterans with like blues and greens and they look absolutely fantastic. But, you know, I have to have worked for my skill levels. So um, I kind of like the Lannisters because there was a bunch of tutorials, first of all, um, both in the yeah, Facebook Yeah, from Duncan group. and stuff Yeah, like Duncan Rowe yeah. did yeah. a great one i think lannister guardsman one he did so mm-hmm. i kind of copied that and um I was, as i was doing that i was getting more into lannisters and i've i've got more painted figures than i show my friends because most of the time it's like well i'll just pull it like you say a box the plastics and, and get them to the to the table really quick yeah, yeah. now with that said i think with um 1.7 i'm going to explore lannisters fully I definitely i'm going to do a lot more there but i did also um acquire the um Greyjoy, uh, starter set and a few nice. boxes there so for me i think that i want to sort of start with that it's a great starting point because you're the the, the um, additional units will come out so you'll grow with that army so anybody who's getting into it now fantastic place to, to, to get into it but also I do love the neutrals I do love the the hedge knight models for me are absolutely fantastic oh, this, I love them yep. this for me is exactly what I imagine in terms of like knights of, of uh, sort of bygone age you know so the, having those there and the possibilities and customising those so I think Lannisters for me is where my comfort is Night's Watch I always have a place in my heart but things have changed you know I'll go back to it but I, I, I don't want to get too much into to anything but i can tell you right now as one faction will not play are the free folk so um just let that be known. so i see how it is how do we wow Jim, do, do you ever wow. do conventions i feel like we need to do like a 2v2 we can let uh you know michael oh, and simon face up against two free folk players and us and uh We'll settle this oh, once and for God, all. God, you know how many bastards girls would be on the table? That's true. Michael likes to run two of them. We'll bring Harmon the dog's head. We'll, we'll take yeah, that. That'll sort it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, no. That would be great to do once. I know Cool Mini and Asmodee and Fantasy Fight are not going to Gen Con 2021. Mm-hmm. Is there, you know, I, don't, I don't think Wizards is. Wiz, you know, there's yeah. a lot of companies that are just, just to be safe. Liabilities. Not. Yeah. Well, it's just kind of it's like, you know what? Um, uh, let's maybe give it another year type of thing. But if if uh, people, if everything kind of gets back to it 2021, 22 that would be fantastic um because i know brett you know he's he's in indy mm-hmm. right um you know to get a bunch of people that kind of meet out there i know there's a lot of talk about adepticon 2022 um you know with mark and a lot of the local minnesota people and i'm pretty sure brett would get out there and stuff like that but uh but yeah if like cool is going to be there in an official presence uh even just doing tournament stuff or whatever i'll make for damn sure you know unless i got conflicting plans that i can get out there too so yes we should for sure teach these upstarts you know the power of north of the wall there we go uh, yeah um, it's on yeah because i mean i mean but the lannisters are super intriguing in 2021 i was yeah. uh, brett and i were kicking lists around when there was all this like anti-night's watch gun line oh it's broken blah 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 you know all this stuff that was going raging on on the interwebs um about that and so I was like, okay, well, I, I kind of was like challenge accepted type of thing, you know, started kind of building lists for that. And the funny thing is, is like up here in Minnesota, you don't even really see that meta. 
right? Like the whole, mm-hmm. let's just, you know, go out there with a, with a one or two units of crossbows with a watch captain in there and stuff like that and just try to mow people down. Um, but, uh, you know, because I, I think there's a lot of counters to that. And I know that if there's people here that are, are really hyper competitive, well, well, what are the counters, whatever? It's like, you, you just, it, it's like, you got to play the game. I mean, the right. game, it's 2021. There's a lot of variables so when you get stuff on the table. Yeah, yeah. And there's some sleeper, I think there's some sleeper power combos out there and factions that maybe people aren't, aren't, uh, well, no, just having on. quick stuff, you know, having yeah. quick things that can cross the board, you know, one or two cab units or some fast stuff that can get there and close the gap and get into them. Mm-hmm. Right. It's just like, they'll die really quickly. Right. The, the, the trays will, you know, the, yeah. the, the trays will go down really quickly, um, with captains and stuff like that. And I know the list is kind of a tabling list, right. So like an objective control list might do really good against it. Um, and so there's a lot of, and that's, what's fun about the game, you know, um, uh, one of the, one of the really good players out of Minnesota here and I were chatting after the tournament about how, remember when Night's Watch first came out, they got all sorts of hate, mm-hmm. like that they were overpowered. They're like yeah. a training wheels faction, all that stuff. But there's so much nuance to the game that the Night's Watch were just so like on paper, like they're like easy to play. They can run up and punch. They did a lot of things well because they're like yep. a toolbox faction. Um, you know, they can just do lots of stuff pretty well, right? Uh, but they're not like, they can't really ever stop much, right? Like, you know, lambs right. with denial and stuff like that or neutrals. Uh, they don't really do good with dish and tokens and, and whatnot. But um, the, my, my buddy Luke, he, he had made the comment. He goes, you know, I almost feel like the Night's Watch are, are one of the more straightforward factions of 2021. And so that's why they're getting all the hate because people are figuring them out now. And But as as things progress, people are going to figure out Lannisters and Freefall. You, you know what I mean? Everything is going to get everything is going to get figured out and there's going to be counters to different things and stuff like that. And so and then there's um, terrain, for example, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. line of sight is a pretty good blocker for crossbow. Yes. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, yeah, yeah uh, you know, especially if you can choose terrain and stuff like that you're dropping down you know forests and stuff like that and so um so yeah it's there again i actually look forward to kind of playing against some gunline lists mm-hmm. maybe putzing around with it and just kind of seeing what there is to see because i know they are tough yeah. <laughs> um if you get somebody that's playing it right you know it can be a real pain in the butt um you know to run up against that but you know i do feel that there's some achilles heels in that too yeah. uh in that sort of thing where um, it's like with the NFL and stuff like that, we got these super prolific mm-hmm. run and gun, super high output offenses and stuff like that. Or like when the Patriots played the Rams and stuff like that, the Rams were the, called the greatest show on turf and the Patriots held them to like, you know, 10 points or whatever. It's like a 13 to 10 game or whatever. It's like, there's ways to, there's right. always ways to kind of get around and, and, and kind of match up and stuff like that. And, and so, you know, to, be, to be frank, like it's, you know, this is a living game and it's been really exciting seeing, you know, updates <clears> from, you know, 1.4 to 1.5. and that you know yeah sure maybe things are overpowered and great that can be addressed and so it's fun to see this roll out and there may be other things that out there that are also powerful and we'll we'll see yeah um but but yeah 2021 is not even officially out yet people just have access to it via the the test flight app Right. right. And so it's not even out yet. It's not even live. And, you know, there's a, people are kind of learning all this stuff. And pe- a lot of people are jumping in with both feet into 2021, which is great. And, and, uh, but you know, it takes a minute mm-hmm. and you got to, you know, you got to figure this stuff out. Right. And you got to get the games in and, and, and play the games and stuff like that. And, and it's not just a run at people you know, jousting game, right? You just run and punch each other, right. right? There's a lot of setting up the units, making sure you jump on certain zones that you want to control to kind of power up your units. And and um, you got the right tactics cards in your hand. And, and so, yeah, there's a whole lot. And that's what we love about the game, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Is is the nuance and the subtlety of the game and and how it, it, it kind of goes on multiple levels. I'm sure we've all been there where you get bad dice rolling oh. <laughs> um, or, or you just drawing like the worst possible cards, right? Yeah. Although... The, I don't think that's as much of an issue in 2021 no. as it was in one six. Nothing was like uh back with the panic, you know, where it's like, it didn't happen that oh. often, but when it did yeah. happen, you rolled snake eyes. And it's like, I just lost eight Raiders. Okay. Wow. I guess. Yeah. It's like Cersei has a lot of pull north of the wall. Here. <laughs> yeah, what the hell's exactly. going on? Right? <laughs> but it's been so cool really. to see like the incremental changes and like, it's still that same game we love. Like there's been a lot of changes and yes. yeah, there hasn't like, and so it's this kind of weird state where, you know, it's these making these tweaks and it's still always that thing that we love. So it makes it easy to come back to. Yeah. And as things get, as things get clarified and further refined, you know, it's a process Mm -hmm. and, you know, but if you look at the game where it is now to where it was released, Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. you know, to, to your point, Chase, about like the old panic rules and stuff. Yeah. It's just like, it didn't happen often, but man, when it did, right. that, that, that kind of, you know, uh, to, to, you know, really hits you hard in the gut, right. With those failed panic tests and stuff like that. And so, especially with panic bombs, right. Yeah. So, like everybody uh, felt bad when that happened. Like, even if you did it to somebody else, like, yeah, I'm sorry. And it, it did. Yeah. <laughs> I guess well, the, it was, yeah, go ahead. I, I guess the good thing was that there are insignificant free folk graders. If they were like your, you know, Lannister guardsmen or, uh, you know, yeah. Kingsmen or other things that are more expensive, maybe that felt worse. Mm-hmm. Oh but, yeah. I mean, now you got the horrific visage and, mm-hmm. and, and Lannister supremacy and and kind of the new rules around them and man you, you know you want you want to you want to uh, get into night's watch um you know get into them you know just run a bunch of units with lannister supremacy at them because it doesn't trigger just off of melee attacks it's, yeah. it's range attacks too right but granted they got a five morale on on those those crossbowmen um and so but you know with with the the, the stacks and the modifiers for right. lannister supremacy uh you can you can get into them where you want to put those resources. Yes. Yes. So, um, so yeah, there's just, there's just so much to it. Right. And, and I play the heck out of the game. I'm sure you guys have played the heck mm-hmm. out of the game and a lot of people that are listening and, and, and tuning in. Uh, but man, even, uh, unless you're playing it like three, four times a week, even if you play the heck out of the game, you're not like, like awesome at every faction, right? right. Or, um, you know, maybe you're, you're really good. If you got a couple of factions, you can really get a couple of factions really dialed in and, and honed or whatever. Like Simon said, you get like this killer list combo that um, is just like amazing. You get it dialed. It's almost like a tournament list, right? Yeah. And so, uh, but sometimes it's fun just doing weird stuff as well. Mm-hmm. Um, like I just, I built a, uh, going back to one six, uh, there was a time where, where, uh, you know, the, the Adepticon winner, Mark group, him and him and Isaiah came up from the Southern Metro to play some games, just some fun games. I just ran a, a, uh, just a, a stupid, I wouldn't let myself have more than one of any unit, just like a mm-hmm. start list, like a very generic yeah. like out of the starter box with, with a couple of units or whatever. And I beat him. He, and he was testing out some new neutrals uh, and like the mummer skirmishers and stuff like that or whatever. But it was just this real nondescript list that you go. But I'm just like, it's just a fun list, right? right. It, was, it was to kind of help train people, new players on how to play how to play Starks. And it was like hugely effective, right? <laughs> because um, I guess nobody at that point was really playing Caitlyn. And so like mm. Caitlyn's ability to kind of go on a unit and remove a token or yeah. whatever and, and do whatever. Um, that, I guess, foiled many of Mark's plans that he had for this list or whatever. Cause he was dishing tokens like crazy, but I just was taking them off, you know, with different things. And, um, it was a, it was a tightly fought game, but I didn't think I was going to win. I was just playing to have fun. Right. right. And, um, you know, that's why you got to show up and play the games. So, and, and, and two, don't be scared to have fun and just kind of build lists that are kind of interesting, uh, and, and where you kind of challenge yourself to kind of make something work. Right. Mm-hmm. So, and kind of know what you're going into, like when, you, you know, when you jump into the game, um, I don't know about you two, but, so when you guys play casually, do you have your list and then roll for game mode or do you roll for game mode, then choose a list? So for us, it kind of depends on on who exactly casually we're playing with. But um, a lot of times we'll do it just on what our agreement is between that person. Uh, every once in a while, there'll be somebody who's like, hey, I've really got a list I want to play on this game mode. I want to try yeah. this out on it. And I'll be like, sure, like, that's fine. I can yeah. bring something for that. Um but, you know, other times we'll, we'll uh, you know, even sometimes, a lot of times we just bring two lists, we'll roll. Well, so you do it like pick. a tournament where yeah. you, you have your two lists, you roll the game mode and, and you pick what, it, yeah. you show the list and then you choose after seeing their list. Okay, but it, it really depends if it's on like, you know, how we're, if we're just showing up a game night, like let's match up and do it this way. That's fine. So it's just the social expectation, I guess. We, we vary it up a bit. Okay. How about you, Simon? Super casual. Basically got your army turn up. What are we going to do? What do you feel like? Do this, do that. Mm, not that one. We did that last week. Okay. Let's change it up. And just okay. get in. Most so when we play, it's mostly chatting about things and the book and and just catching up. So it's it's a real social occasion for us. It's a group of friends, and the game sort of is is a, a sort of brings everyone together. But ultimately, it's a you know it's it's more about the community and and the the, the fun we have together. One thing I've noticed actually, um, you were talking about the. Um, the way the game ebbs and flows in terms of perceived power. And, um, you know, we're talking about having strong lists back in 1.6, but it really strikes me. It's very similar to a book. Like these are chapters of a book. If you look at the, you know, Song of Ice and Fire uh, and the different factions, how they are resurgent and powerful, it kind of is reflected in how we've seen what's seen in the game state as well. So I think most players can look back and actually say, oh, I remember when Night's Mm -hmm. Watch were really powerful and now the Lannisters are resurgent. And and that's a really cool thing as well. I think there's a narrative there 
there. You know, obviously everybody wants to have a great balanced experience, but also to have that flavor. And I think it's so challenging to take a game, which is basically like 5D chess and completely balance every aspect of that, especially when there's so little in terms of restrictions on what you can run. Mm-hmm. That, you know, inevitably there are going to be these edge cases, which are, are somewhat challenging to play against. But I think that overall, if you're coming at this from just the fun perspective, and I've, I'm always a champion of the, the fun side of it, I'm a real yeah, casual yeah. when it comes to that regard. Yeah. But actually looking at the game like that, it's, it, there's so much to offer. So um, yeah, for me and my friends, it's really just to show up and just play what you want to and have fun. Yeah, so it's a social contract, right? It's like if everyone's in agreement of what we're here to do, mm-hmm. then it's fine. It's when you have those like misalignments where it's like, I should have exactly. put two lists and you brought your one list and you were like, hey, I want to play Dance with Dragons. It's something I want to practice. And I'm like, well, no, let's roll. And then yeah. you know, that's where you get off to the wrong footing. Yeah, because like we, with our casual play, we typically show up. You just say, well, I got my list and, and you roll for game mode. And so mm-hmm. sometimes you just figure out, it's like, wow, this list isn't all that great for that game mode or whatever, right? And, and um, But yeah. you kind of learn it and you have to adapt and overcome. And so maybe we should pivot to more something where you, you have your two lists and you kind of treat it like a, it's casual. Um, but, you know, where you have a couple game lists and depending on the game mode, you could, you know, pick whatever one you want or whatever. Depends so. on how much time you got, really. Like, yeah, I yeah. think some of the, the best games and the best times I have are when we just show up and we're like, hey, I, I really want to be practicing Game of Thrones. Like, you got something to play on that? I'm like, let's, yeah, let's do it. And yeah, yes, yes. Do it that way. Yeah, especially if you're going to practice for like a tournament or some mm-hmm. sort of organized play event or something like that. Um, or if you're in a league or something like that. The league, you know, going in, right? So right. you're like, well, hey, this yeah. week we're playing Game of Thrones, right? And so you build your list for Game of Thrones, right? And so, um, uh, so you kind of know ahead of time, but yeah, it is, you know, to, to the point that you were making uh, chase and Simon about, you know, kind of the rule of fun and then like the rule of cool too, yeah. where it's like, Oh, this is just, this is just a cool faction. Like this kind of scratches that itch for me. Right. And so, and, and the cool thing about the game is, is like every faction, they, you know, they're all dudes on a tray or, or monsters or siege engines or cavalry or whatever, but they're all kind of work a little bit different and they got mm-hmm. their little thing that that's kind of their, you know, that makes that faction tick. And so that's, what's just so amazing about it especially with like the upcoming factions that we're working on and a lot of these different units that are coming out there's a lot more stuff coming out here in 2021 still and um, some really cool units and (gasps) rumors of hero boxes chase oh all right so you'd say then that the future for a song of ice and fire is looking pretty bright then or yes well especially for one of your favorite factions and one of simon's favorite factions There's Hero Boxes, the number two coming out for them. And so, so yeah, so I'm super, because anytime a Hero Box comes out, mm-hmm. it's just like, it, oh, like a new army changes everything. Yeah, yes, it changes everything. And that's what's so fun. I mean, when new factions drop, that's obviously fun. Yeah. You know, like, well, what mechanics make this faction go, like with the pillage and the Greyjoys and stuff like that. But man, when you get like new unit boxes, uh, you know, that, or not unit boxes, but but hero boxes. Hero boxes. It's like, oh, so good. It's so good. And that has <laughs> so, such ripple effects too, because it's not only for you playing, but then everyone has to learn to play against that. And like, it's yeah. Like, just send yeah. shockwaves. It's just fun. It just kind of just shoots shoots new life into, into each faction that gets the hero box. And so it's it's just a lot of fun. And it's it's just a great time to, to be in the game and having fun with the game. There's just so much cool stuff coming up. I mean, I think we're almost at like 100 unit boxes or unit and hero boxes that are out for the game. We've got eight factions now, you, you know, with, with another one or two factions, uh, you know, coming out in 2022. And, um, uh, you know, just depending on what the, the release schedule looks like. And so there's just a lot of, it's just, it's really cool. It's a lot of fun. And um, uh, yeah, it's just been a blast. You know, I mean, from we started developing it, oh golly, like a good two, three years before the Kickstarter even. Wow. Yeah. So it's been, it's been quite the long, you know, partnership and and it's been super fun. It's super awesome. And I think cool mini and Michael and Fabian, the team and Guillerme and stuff like that, Freddie and all the people that are involved with that. They've just done like such an amazing job and, uh, and they're huge fans of the original IP as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, and it shows, you know, it shows Um, there's been a few things here and there where it's like, Oh, you know, we, we, we miss this or we miss that or whatever. And, um, uh, and you have to do, you have to do things, um, 
everybody can't be running around with spears or pitchforks or, you know, whatever. Um, it, you have to do things to make it interesting with the different units and stuff like that. Right. And so um, we're like, this, this unit's got swords or this unit's got hammers or this unit's got bastard swords or bows or crossbows or whatever. And so, you know, there's, I know some people are like, well, this is not historically accurate. It's right. Like, oh, it's not. Well, good thing. It's not a historical book. <laughs> and so, uh, and it's very grounded in, in, you know, historical accuracy in, in many aspects, right. Uh, which are things that, that were interesting to George. But um, yeah, I mean, it, it's still got to be a game and it's got to be fun and it's got to be interesting. And so uh, it's got to be enjoyable to play with cool, with cool minis. So. Well, it's exciting to see that you, as well as many of the Hulot Simon's passion is, is equal to that of the fans that you guys are just as big of fans as what's going on as, as everyone else's. And, you know, we really appreciate you coming on the podcast here. We hope we can talk to you again in the future. Maybe hear some updates on how your games are going in 2021 at, at some point. All right. Chase on the case. <laughs> Simon, it's always a pleasure. And until then, you know, we hope you get your miniatures on the table.